coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. Yep, so WonderCon is a software company, software as a service, or, or SaaS, as the acronym goes. And we are, what we can best be described is a marketing operating system. So we allow marketers at an e-commerce company or a media company or a travel company to be able to deliver one-to-one -one messages on their site. So think of everything that we do as being almost like a veneer over the client's website. And then when, if you were to go, if you were to go, Matt, to, a, to one of our client's website, websites, we would be able to give you one-to-one -one custom messaging on that site to try to pull you down a conversion funnel. So if you were at, let's say, Uniqlo, one of our clients, and we saw that in the past you had looked at, let's say, uh, sweatshirts, we might create a call to action like, hey, see these new arrivals of sweatshirts, pull you in there, and then, hey, see if your size is in stock. Because we know if you look at your size and stock, you're 22% more likely to convert. So we'll get you to just take that micro conversion. And we keep pulling you down that funnel slowly but surely until ultimately you can add a product to cart. And then if you abandon at any point in that journey, even if after you've added something to cart, if you leave the site, if we, if we you know, know that we have permission to send you an email, we'll tell Uniqlo, hey, Uniqlo, send Matt an email. Tell him he had looked at these products and yeah. here are these other products that go great with it. Or these are the products he left in his cart to get you to convert. Yeah. And so it's these these one-to-one -one messaging at scale on websites through triggered emails. That's considered a trigger email if you yep. conduct a behavior that would then send the email to you. And, and through text messages as well. Welcome to the show, I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Andres Moran, who is the GEM of the digital media vertical at Wonderkind. So I feel like after talking to Andres about his his upbringing and what brought him to Wonderkind. He's not necessarily the founder of Wonderkind, but he has found a couple of different, founded, I guess, uh, a couple of different companies in his past and, and basically has had exits on all of those, those companies as well. But what he's doing with Wonderkind is really interesting. Wonderkind, I feel like, again, after talking to him and understanding what it is, I feel like it is one of those sort of secret softwares that nobody ever talks about. Uh, and we actually you know, sort of get into this a little bit during the conversation where they're sort of in the background. They're not necessarily one that's out there, something that you're going to see on the internet, but they definitely can be an incredible resource for people who are running ads on the internet. So check them out. I, I Again, I'm really, really intrigued by their business model, their platform, the way that they deliver things. And we get into all of that in this this episode of Pass the Secret Sauce. So we also get into some of Andre's sort of secret skills that he may not necessarily have even realized himself, but it kept coming up a couple of different times. So really, really interesting. I hope you enjoy today's episode of Pass the Secret Sauce with Andres Moran. That's a fantastic question, by the way. 
That's a great icebreaker, even just amongst friends, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's one of my favorites. So yeah. yeah. I'm not, there's someone in our company who loves to start the icebreakers this way. Whenever we have a client dinner or whatever, I'm going to have uh, to introduce this one. There you go. She's, she's going <laughs> to love it. So tip, my, my parents both worked and I was, and my grandmother lived with me. So oftentimes dinner was myself, perhaps with my two older sisters and my grandmother who would make the dinner and we would probably get started. And then, and then my parents would come home separately because they, they worked in, in, you know, in different roles, different companies. But my dad was a advertising salesman for, for tele, first Telemundo, which is a Spanish language yeah. television yeah. station. And then, and then with Univision and, uh, and my mom was a teacher. And then after teaching, she then had her own, had her own mortgage company. So they, uh, yeah, they would come up different times and yeah, I think I, I do remember them coming home always pretty stressed. I found like, you know, yeah. it's interesting looking back on it now because I have my own two children. And when I come home, I try to be happy, even though I'm very stressed out and make sure that I give all to the kids and, and I don't bring any stress home with me. But I do recall, and I don't mean that to be like in a super sad way, but I do recall there seemed to be stress when they came home. Yeah. yeah. And it just wasn't as bright and jovial. But yeah, oftentimes my grandmother was there. She was, uh, I was always very close with her. And, and what were some of the things that you guys would cook together? So my grandmother did, did most of the cooking. She would do a lot of Cuban food. So I grew up in a Cuban household. Both okay. of my, you know, my grandmother and, and, and both my parents were born and raised in Cuba. They, they all came over in 1961. And yeah, so if my grandmother cooked, it was a lot of Cuban food. So things like ropa vieja, which is shredded beef and croquetas, which is like the fried little, little mini log looking things. Okay. They're, okay. They're rather delicious. Picadillo, which is like gra uh, uh, ground beef, a lot of, a lot of meat products. You'll see a pattern in yeah. the Cuban food. <laughs> it is not healthy, not yeah. a whole lot of vegetables. <laughs> the fact that I, you know, didn't have a blood clot yet. I'm, I'm kind of shocked. But. That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. I, I love that you, you recognized, you know, how, when your parents came home, you know, that was a feeling that you didn't want to instill you know, in your own life or, you know, now that you're in that same, you know, that same position where your yeah. parents were, do you feel like you've already, you've always sort of picked up things, you know, on different ways that you wanted to, to, to live your own life, you know, growing up, obviously you've, we talked a little bit before this, this uh, recording started about, you know, some of the other things that you've done before in your life, very entrepreneurial, was there, were there influences, I guess, in your life growing up that, you know, Hey, I don't want to work for somebody or I, you know, I, I, I want to, I want to go out and do my own thing. Were, were those types of feelings going through your head pretty early on? You know, for some reason, I don't know why I picked up on this as a kid, but I always had this fear of my, my father losing his job or being let go. And it was almost like a, almost like an irrational fear. There was not a strong reason why I should have felt that, but I did. I just kind of picked up on it as a kid. And so there was this, let's call it low grade anxiety, even as kids like, oh, wow, my, you know, my, my, my dad or my parents would be out of a job. And, and so I think trying to create your own destiny and be your own boss and not be able to just, you know, be laid off with something that's a, a powerful, that autonomy is, is very powerful. Yeah. And so I do appreciate entrepreneurship in that way. There's comes that comes at major costs in other areas, of yeah, course, yeah. as, as yeah. we all know. Uh, but there, there is something to be said about not having that anxiety of, Hey, I can be let go at, uh, at the drop of a hat. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Um, and in fact, you know, he 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 was, you know, let go a couple of times. He, but that was after my low grade anxiety was present yeah, about yeah. it. So 
after the fact, sure, that, that anxiety was perhaps justified, but it wasn't in the early days. So you're, you're kind of future casting the, the yeah. yeah. you're, you're past that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, what, so talk a little bit about, I guess, your upbringing. Did you go to college? You know, when did you start your, your first companies? And I know there's yeah. been a couple of them that, that have been acquired. So talk a little bit yeah. about those, those next steps. Yeah, so I went, I went to college at Vanderbilt University, and I, w- I applied there because m- one of my older sisters was there. I actually did not want to go to Vanderbilt because my older sister okay. was there. Yeah. But when I got my acceptance letter, I'll never forget, I get the acceptance letter from Vanderbilt. And within the acceptance letter is another letter saying we are pleased to offer you a full tuition scholarship. Oh, wow. That's wow. only awarded to two incoming students every year. And my, I turned to my mom who was right next to me when I was reading it and she's bawling, right? And yeah. we, we didn't have much money at the time. So basically I, I figured that made up my decision for me and I was going yeah. to Vanderbilt. So, so that's where I ended up going to school. It was a great experience. And then graduated from Vanderbilt, moved to New York to join a consulting firm called AT Kearney. I, I ended up being let go from AT Carney. Look at that, all that low grade anxiety <laughs> <Yep>. paying off. <laughs> Just validating that anxiety. <laughs> and, uh, and at the time I was uh, dating uh, someone and she said, why don't we just go backpack the world for a year? I, I said, it. let's do it. So yeah. I went, it was a month. Actually, we planned this a month before 9-11. We were supposed to fly out 9-12. Oh, wow. But because all aircraft was grounded for about a week or 10 days, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. So we didn't leave until like somewhere like September 20 something. But then I, I went backpacking for a year. She ended, she ended up breaking up with me a few months later, telling me she wasn't in, uh, in love with me anymore and broke my heart. But I continued yeah. going and but ended up being still on the road. That's great. Yeah. Ended up being, you know, arguably one of the best experiences of my life. I made very dear friends that are still some of my best friends today. It was, yeah, a very... That's a defining, defining experience for me. Yeah, that's that amazing. That, that's on my, yeah. that's on my list of things to do. I'd love to just, you know, I, I, that's the way I travel. You know, I don't, I don't bring luggage, whatever can fit my backpack. That's the way I do it. Yeah. I get yelled at it for all the time. I just, I just went to a wedding two weeks ago. I only brought my backpack, you know, I had to, you. you know, bring the suit and everything and figure it all out. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I like to, I love to travel. So that's, that's, I love that you've done that very, very Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It was so, fantastic. So what happened? What happened next? You, you you did your travels and then, you know, coming back or maybe you even started things when you were still traveling. I don't know. So, so, so it came back after that year and I began working for uh, my dad's company at the time. He had, he had started a, a, a concrete company. So I was working with him. And while I was working with him, it was, it was in Miami, which is where I grew up. And, and uh, my sister was working for my mom's mortgage company. And so it was like just one big family affair type of thing. And I remember, uh, and that was the sister that had gone to Vanderbilt. Yeah. Uh, and I and I and I said to her one day because I was looking around Miami, all these people had tattoos, and I thought, well, someday these people are going to regret having all of these <laughs> tattoos, and yeah. they're going to want them removed. So I said, why why don't we get into the tattoo removal business? Like maybe a la- laser tattoo removal business. Yeah. And she said to me, she's like, I, I don't really know anything about laser tattoo removal, but I'll tell you what, a friend of mine in Atlanta named Marshall runs a medical spa where they do laser hair removal and is doing really, really well. I was like, huh, that's interesting. I've never heard of that. Let me start to do my homework on it. I began to do my homework on it and, and realized that the reason one of these didn't exist yet in Florida was there was a, a gray area in the regulation. Okay. So medical spas existed in Atlanta, which is where Marshall was. They existed in other parts of the country, like in California and New York. And there, wasn't, there weren't any in Florida or in Miami more specifically. And I thought this is a perfect market for a yeah. medical spa. 
People yeah. have disposable income. They're super vain. Sorry yeah. for any listeners in Miami. I'm, I mean, <laughs> born and raised there, so <laughs> I feel like I get away with that kind of comment. You know, their 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 skin is exposed. So yeah, let's get into that into that business. And I so we, my sister and I went went into that business. We brought on Marshall as kind of like a co-founder, so that we could come in really high on the learning curve. Um, we raised about one hundred twenty thousand dollars from. Uh, not even, you know, the, the terminology is friends and family, but it wasn't friends and family. It was kind of like strangers and strangers, but okay. like third, third, third degrees removed. And then we ended up starting the first ever medical spa in Florida wow. uh, called Sutera. And we, we did really well. I made, made mistakes, sure. plenty of them. One of them was, you know, we did really well early on in the first few months revenue. We got to $60,000 in, in monthly revenue on month three. Nice. Yeah. And, wow. um, Part of the reason was our landlord, I'll never get a really wise thing my dad once said to me. So our landlord, we had a nice building where we leased the Sutera, like was one of the units in the building. We were next to a subway, next to a Payless shoe source, next to a Sprint store. It was a, and it was a new little strip center right on Highway 1. And on the side of the building was a big blank area. And I, mm-hmm. I, I asked the, uh, or I spoke to the, Landlord saying, hey, what's going to be done with that space? He's like, well, there's not going to be a tenant in there for a little while. Would you like to hang like a, a drape, like a yeah. billboard over that empty space overlooking Highway 1? I was like, no, no, we don't want to do it. We don't, it's okay. My dad said to me, basically, I grabbed me by the ears and say, listen, when somebody offers you free marketing, free advertising, yeah. you take it. And so yeah. we, we did. We did that in month one or month two, something like that. And instantly revenue just skyrocketed. Yeah. So that's why by month three, we were at $60,000 a month in revenue. So we got there quickly, but I did something very foolish, which was take the money that we'd been making and all of a sudden started making distributions to our investors. Yeah. As opposed to keeping the money and growing the business and opening up other locations since there was no other, there was no other show in town, but us, we should have opened up half a dozen other locations as fast as we could. Yeah. I, my ego got in the way and said, no, I want to show these investors, Hey, that they made a good bet with me and with us. So here, started making distributions and it was just a very silly idea because by the end of the year we had plenty of competition in there just nipping at our heels. Yeah. 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 yeah no, that makes, that makes perfect sense. How, how quickly do you think you could have scaled? Do you think you could have done five, you know, plus units? Yeah. That quickly? I, I mean, I think what we would have, we would have had to have raised more money because we wouldn't yeah. have had enough free cash flow to have funded that from the yeah. operations of the one unit. But I think showing those early signals, sure. We could have gone to our existing investors and of course new and new and larger investors yep. and probably raised you know a few million dollars if we were that ambitious and really really blown it out and taken a stronghold in that market yeah so i would have done it way differently if i could go back in time yeah yeah, yeah. And, and so so that business i believe you said was acquired at, at some point correct it eventually was, it was acquired in 2011 mm-hmm. by by a, a competitive medical spa excellent excellent so so then uh your your next John, were you were you kind of getting burnt out of that that business, or I was franchised with it and and looking for something else? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was eager to get back to New York. Yeah, and so by even after just a couple of years of operating the business in there as a manager, and all the other competitions started coming in, I did start to get kind of fatigued with it and bored with it, and I was ready for something different, something bigger, something to elevate myself in my career. So I, I applied to Columbia Business School in New York and, and I got in. So then I ended up going to Columbia Business School. My sister continued to, to manage that spa while, while I was in business school. 
And then while I was away, there was almost like, like a coup of our, our employees at that spa, like a uh, coup against my sister as the manager. Wow. Wow. And unfortunately it was bad. They were all going to basically walk out. Yeah. And it was tough because when I, I'm getting real, like kind of intimate here. I, I'm, I, you know, I, I hope that's okay. But oh, um, when, when I, when I left to go to New York, my sister felt, felt like betrayed. She felt like I was sure. leaving, right. Even though I was going on to what I felt was the right move for me and all that. She just felt like I was leaving her behind. And so there was some strain in our relationship yeah. for a period of time. And in the midst of that strained relationship, the, the employees at the spa were basically, you know, having a coup against her. Yeah. And so I ultimately, believe it or not, had no choice but to fire my sister. Wow. I'm in wow. a strained relationship with yeah. Yeah. while I'm in New York and she's pregnant. Oh, I mean, it's just crazy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a, it was a, dark time we got past it but yeah man that was not fun at all <laughs> that that is yeah. incredible wow it was horrible yeah. i mean it was yeah. I, but we the entire business like the business would have just gone kaput it was it was it was a really dire time we did our best to to do a, take measures before of course needing to fire her, but ultimately that that was what what needed to happen yeah uh, and she was the, the reality of the situation is she ultimately then was tired of, of managing it as well and wanted to yeah. change. I think she would have liked to have left, of course, on her own terms, clearly, yeah. like most people would. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was tough. That's, that's <laughs> a tough one, man. I yeah. don't know that I've ever heard of, uh, you know, the, the, the founder having to fire a sister and in those, tough. yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so you've started a couple other, uh, other businesses, they've been acquired as well. So you've done this a number of times and then now you're at Wonderkind and Wonderkind was, you were basically brought on to, to, you know, build a business unit within Wonderkind. Uh, I guess, talk a little bit about what Wonderkind is and then what, you know, your specific business unit is. Mm -hmm. Yep. So Wonderkind is a software company, software as a service or, or SaaS as the acronym goes. And we, are what we can best be described is a marketing operating system. So we allow marketers at an e-commerce company or a media company or a travel company to be able to deliver one-to-one -one messages on their site. So think of everything that we do as being almost like a veneer over the client's website. And then when, if you were to go, if you were to go Matt to, a, to one of our client's website, what websites, we would be able to give you one-to-one -one custom messaging on that site. Virtus Technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, give Virtus Technology a call today. To try to pull you down a conversion funnel. So if you're at let's say Uniqlo, one of our clients, and we saw that in the past you had looked 
at, let's say, uh, sweatshirts, we might create a call to action like, hey, see these new arrivals of sweatshirts, pull you in there, and then, hey, see if your size is in stock, because we know if you look at your size in stock, you're 22% more likely to convert. So we'll get you to just take that micro conversion, and we keep pulling you down that funnel slowly but surely until ultimately you can add a product to cart. And then if you abandon at any point in that journey, even if after you've added something to cart, if you leave the site, if we, if we you know, know that we have permission to send you an email, we'll tell Uniqlo, hey, Uniqlo, send Matt an email, tell him he had looked at these products and yeah. here are these other products that go great with it, or these are the products he left in his cart to get you to convert. Yeah. And so it's these, these one-to-one messaging at scale on websites through triggered emails, that's considered a trigger email if you yep. conduct a behavior that would then send the email to you, and, and through text messages as well. That so, is really cool. Yeah, it's phenomenal. We're a 700 person company growing 40, 50% a year, you know, doing nine figures in, in revenue and, and hoping to, you know, potentially IPO at some point in the next yeah, uh, 12 yeah. to 24 months. So, so it's going really well. So the initial, the initial, I guess, pop-up, if you will, or, or you know, the, the initial notification that the person gets, is there a way that you're like looking to see like, uh, is there a cookie that you're, that you're basically tapping into that says, oh, that's, this person likes this, this, and this, so you should show them this, or how does that work? So we do leverage cookies, and cookies supplement our own identification capabilities, which, you know, I, I, I can't get too much into it, not out of any concern, but frankly, because it's out of my wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. There, there, there are, uh, uh, like, non, non-PII, non-personally identifiable signals that we can go off of to create what we call a, a BXID, which is our own identifier. And then it allows us to basically refresh a cookie. Yeah. And it's basically like refreshing like a first party cookie is what it is. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So then, you know, when you arrive to the site, we're able to say, hey, do we, you know, in the session, do we know, can we send this individual? We never know it's your name, Matt, or anything that we don't know anything about you. We just know, you know, for this, this, you know, device browser combination, what have you, do, you know, which is associated to a BXID. Do we have permission to send them an email? Yeah. And if the answer is no, we actually will try to get that permission uh, while you're on Uniqlo's site. Like, hey, sign up to receive future that deals. That's incredibly discount. powerful. Yeah, yeah that's really, really, really powerful. And, and would you say that Wonderkind, you said that it obviously works with e-commerce type brands, but is there any specific verticals or anything like that that you guys specialize in? Or is it, is it pretty well so agnostic? The e-commerce was, you know, was how we, you know, grew in grew so much and it's our bread and butter but we've expanded into certainly into you know media companies like publishers i oversee that business of selling our SaaS offering and we have an advertising product i can speak to that in just a second we sell into b2b companies we sell into travel companies we're starting to get into cpg and healthcare so yeah it's certainly other verticals that we've been expanding into uh, but cool. e-commerce still comprises the the majority of our of our client base yeah, that's really, really cool. Yeah, so so you were brought into Wonderkind to you know build a specific vertical, which it sounds like you you kind of just alluded to what that was. What so so talk a little bit about what your vertical is that that you've that you've had yeah. such great success and and you've done just to just to kind of preface this, you've you've built this very very quickly up to about fifty million in about five years. So that's know, right. So kudos. so it's, it's interesting. So before before Wonderkin was named Wonderkin, we were called Bounce X. Before we were Bounce X, we were called Bounce Exchange, and the whole. And I've known our our founder and CEO. His name is Ryan Urban. Absolute brilliant, brilliant product visionary. I, I've known him for a long time, even before he started the company. And he told me his idea for the company, his idea for Bounce Exchange, which is, hey, 
all these media sites, these otherwise known as publishers, yeah. all these publishers have high, high bounce rates, you know, 50, 60% bounce rates. Sure. And that traffic isn't of much value to these publishers. So he was saying, how neat would it be if, we, if I could create this technology that could detect when someone's going to bounce the, from the site, and then we can put a high impact ad in front of them to generate some good revenue yeah. for the publisher from that bouncing traffic. And lo and behold, he, he went and, and, and built that. But in the early days, they got into speaking for some reason, not so much with publishers, but with e-commerce companies. E-commerce companies were saying, hey, this is neat technology. You can detect if someone's leaving my site and then you put this big you know, message in front of them. They're like, we don't show ads. So can we just use that technology, use that real estate to capture their email addresses or get them to convert you know, with whatever's in their cart? And, and sure, you know, sure enough, they started to to sign on a lot of these e-commerce companies. And, and so that's why e-commerce was the direction that the company headed. Got it. But, um, you know, Ryan, you know, the company that started in like 2012, 2013 had grown meaningfully. And then in 2016, Ryan and I spoke again. He said, look, I think I want to revisit this ads conversation, like yeah. revisit the ad product. Can you come in and help us build it? At the time, the company was 160 people, which for me is like massive, right? Like yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. way early. I'm a zero to one type of guy. Yeah. So I'm like, wow, that's, you guys are pretty big already. I'm not sure if it's for me. He's like, yeah, but you know, you're going to really be able to build out your own business here within the company. And, uh, and so I, I took the plunge and that was over five years ago and it's, it's gone phenomenally well. So what, what that ad product is, uh, it, it's different than any other ad on the internet. So every ad on the internet, when you arrive at a publisher's website, let's say you were to arrive at the New York Times, well, they have ads on the side rail or within between paragraphs or whatever, just trying to distract you and steal your attention away from the article that you came there to read. We think that's a negative user experience. We think yeah. that when you arrive at a publisher site, you were you clicked on that link or you arrived there for a reason, right? There was an yeah. itch that needed to be scratched, whether you wanted to be informed, entertained, inspired, whatever. So we want to let you do that. We believe, hey, let that visitor scratch that itch. Only when they're finished should you then render an ad in front of them. So yes. we have in market the only behaviorally triggered ads in the world, which is we can detect when you've finished consuming that article, finished consuming that content, only then will we put an ad in front of you. And, um, and it's a two-sided business. So on the one side, we have publishers, media companies yep. that have adopted these ad formats. Yep. And they serve as the supply side of the business. And on the other side, the demand side of the business are the advertisers and brands who want to get their message in front of, uh, in front of people in this user-friendly way. And it turns out, and it's not, it's, I guess it's not mind-blowing, turns out that, in fact, if you wait until somebody's finished consuming content before you put an ad in front of them, they're way more likely to engage with that ad. They're more receptive to that ad. And if they engage with it, they're more likely to take a downstream action, such as completing yeah. a contact form or, or at, at, you know, looking at a product page, adding a product to cart, even a full-blown conversion, right? Because they have finished doing what they went to that publisher's page to do. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really, really cool. And then, so, so when you bring on additional advertisers, are there certain verticals that you have a, a relationship with for the publishers so that you can say, okay, you know, if, you know, Mr. Whatever e-commerce person, we, you know, this is your niche. We've got, you know, the ability to be able to show your ads on this page, this page, this page. Is that kind of how, you yep. know, you're, you're able to sell that to, to that side of things? Does that, that make sense? That, yeah, totally. So we, 
we always disclose our full publisher list and we have about okay. 250 domains yep. that have our ads running on them right now as we speak there's about 250 domains and these are big big domains you know yeah cnn weather sports illustrated dictionary thesaurus like huge you know huge yeah. uh, huge publishers and so we always disclose that and and also the advertisers the buyers are able to select which domains they're at oh cool here. very cool yeah, yeah. now if, of course if they select you know, too few domains and, and they want to, if they're looking to spend $10,000 a day, well, you can't whittle down that list to yeah. just a few domains. You need to, to have a, some sort of minimum threshold of domains there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That is really, really cool. So, uh, and, and, you know, say we're on, you know, CNN, is there any type of customization to show an ad based on whatever the content is on that page that might, you know, be complementary to whatever it is that I'm advertising so we we don't power that ourselves it is possible and without getting too too geeked out on you know how these ads are delivered it's all done programmatically through dsps which is demand side platforms which advertisers use and ssps which is supply side platforms which publishers use and those those two types of platforms typically communicate and they layer on different types of data and targeting. So yeah. they could potentially do contextual targeting, such as what you suggested, but we don't get involved in, in any it. of that data inform what's called, we don't inform the bid stream. We don't, yep. we don't add any information into it. We just simply say, hey, there's an ad to be shown on this website, SSP and DSP. You guys do your magic and determine who wants to show an ad there. Yeah, that makes Switzerland. sense. We're Switzerland. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so when, you, when you stepped into this role to, to build this, you know, this other vertical, what were some of the challenges that you were running into and how did you overcome those? I mean, obviously, again, growing that quickly, and, and I'm assuming that you probably had some assets that, you know, were already in place, but, you know, what, what were some of those early challenges that you, you know, that you were sort of struggling with? <laughs> I'd say for one, I knew very little, if anything, about programmatic advertising. I, yeah. I, I had to come in and just ask all the dumb questions and look yeah. foolish and like get smart and like read up as much as I could attend conferences. Like I knew, I knew very little. I, I'm still by no means an expert. I'll be completely honest with you. Yeah. And that's why you hire people that, you know, that are exactly. right. Yeah. Um, so I, I came in just real novice need to learn a lot. So that was one thing that was a challenge in the early days. Uh, and then the other thing is just whenever you're building a business unit within a much larger company, you're always going to need to justify your existence a bit. Mm -hmm. And, justify the need for resources right because because you're somewhat of a, an afterthought frankly you're not the, yeah. the core reason for existence for the, for the company's existence you need to just remind them hey and sell them the vision this is what we can become and it hey it's a slow go be patient we're gonna get there we're gonna get there i, I remember there were conversations and even in the first like year and a half two years i wasn't privy to these but i was told about them that certain executives were saying hey do we want to keep investing in this advertising business and our ceo ryan said absolutely i believe in it i believe in it and thank goodness i mean he, he was right we're you know we're generating really strong revenues um at, at really nice margins and and it's growing just incredibly fast so it's a it's a it's a meaningful meaningful part of the company it's still you know we're, we're still not you know 50 of the company's revenue sure but we're, yeah. we're well into double digits of the company's revenue so it, it is meaningful yeah, no, that's great. And, and, you know, you, you made me realize too, you've, you've done a lot of selling of yourself and, and, 
now you're you're sort of not necessarily selling yourself, but you're selling you know inside the company to you know obviously support your your vertical that you're you know that you're leading. Where do you think your your sales capability, you know, or that that type of approach came from? Because again, you're obviously very successful with with being able to, you know, pitch and sell, you know, your ideas yourself, your you know, whatever that vision may be. I, I think I connect well with people, um, and I think uh, I consider myself uh, I consider myself emotionally aware and emotionally yeah. intelligent, so I'm able to connect with people on that level, and so. I, I, and, and I don't, and it's not in any, it's just not, I mean, I am like that in my personal life. I've always been that way. It's just, yeah. I, I love people and I love being around people. I'm a, I'm a, I'm your typical like extrovert outgoing person. Yeah. And I do, and I do care about people deeply. So I think I'm able to, to sell them on that and, and, and get them to want to see me succeed and to want to help me because I like them and they like me. Right. Yeah. Not everybody likes me. There's certainly right, plenty, of people, right. plenty of people that don't. Let's be crystal clear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but for, for the most part, you know, especially where it matters, I, you know, people do tend to like me. And I was saying in the early days, too, one of the challenges is, you know, the folks on our team also felt like the black sheep in the in the company. Yeah. And so I think managing those emotions of like, you're still vital to this company. You're very important. And we're going to build something big together. It's just like, hang with us. Because if they're not feeling that love from the rest of the company, I need to be providing that love to that team. And so yeah. for the first you know, several years, that was the case was like, let's hang in there. We're getting there, we're getting there. Unfortunately, now, actually, some, now some people still feel like we don't fully get, I don't necessarily agree with these folks, but some people on my team still don't think we fully get the attention or resources yeah. or love that, that we deserve. I, again, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think those are just... I get, I think that's scar tissue from the early days. To be yeah. Honest. Yeah. Yeah. That could be, that could be. And it's again, interesting kind of bringing it a full circle again, you know, you, you, you are very in tune with people's feelings and emotions. I mean, even, you know, again, going back to when you were a kid, you know, having, having that, you know, sort of that intuition of, you know, this is the way that my, my parents are walking in the door and feeling, and, you know, now you're, you're able to pick that up in your team members too, and you're being able to support that. So yeah, really, really, really cool that, you know, you're able to, you know, identify and pull those types of things out and then act on them as well. So um, Thank you. yeah, yeah, very, very cool. Yeah. So if people want to learn more about Wonderkind or is your, is your division part of Wonderkind? Is, is that all one platform? It is part of Wonderkind. So if they were, our, our website needs a bit of an overhaul. So I will apologize a little bit in advance. We need to revamp it, but our, our website is, is wonderkind.co and wonderkind is W-U-N-D-E-R-K-I-N-D, wonderkind.co. Uh, and then and my, if anyone wants to contact me, I'm more than happy to chat with anybody about this kind of stuff. I'm Andres, which is A-N-D-R-E-S at wonderkind.co. Yeah, this is this is really cool. I've never heard of this this uh, this type of technology. So yeah, very very cool. Yeah, we're, we're behind the scenes um, oftentimes. Like I don't know if you remember that. Uh, I'm kind of dating myself, but maybe maybe you'll you'll remember this. Remember that commercial back in the day of BASF, and they would say, "We don't we don't make a lot of the products. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You use. We we make a lot of the products you use better. Yep, that's, yep. that's basically what we are. We yeah. We don't make the, the the sites that you go to. We just make them better for you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting. Again, I think that that's kind of, 
you know, there a lot of the platforms that are out there out front, you know, obviously you've heard of all of those, but you're sort of like, you're sort of the secret sauce behind a lot of the success of, you know, these, these so, so I, I kind of almost see it as, you know, the, the, like the, the phantom, you know, the, these things, these tools that people are so successful with, but you guys, you know, aren't out front. So a lot of people don't necessarily know about them. So yeah, That's exactly it's really, really cool. Yeah. I love it. Excellent. Andres, this has been a lot of fun and, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys, uh, maybe we'll see you out, out on the uh, ringing the bell one of these days. Oh, from your lips to God's ears. That'd be very exciting. Thank you. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. Excellent. Thank you very much. All right, Matt. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.